0: everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal fanatic podcast I'm Hayden your American friend with a passion for British royal history hi friends yes I'm still here yes I know I missed my upload last week and I'm sorry about that I recently got a new job for the summer and then involved a relocation to another state and I'm moving so I in all that chaos, I didn't think about an upload, so that's why I missed last week's upload, so I'm very sorry about that. I'm getting settled here for the summer, so things may be a little weird and irregular, but I'm going to do my best to keep a consistent upload schedule. And I have a lot of fun, long, um, long-form content scheduled for the summer, so get excited for that. But yes, this episode was delayed. Yes, I threw off the schedule, and I'm sorry about that, but for the move and relocation, we have to make things as best we can. But We are back in business, and we are going to resume as best we can. A lot has happened in the interim between our last episode commemorating the anniversary of Her Royal Highness Princess Margaret her wedding and now so today's more of a news update we're gonna get them from time to time especially now that the pandemic's lifting and the royal family's getting back to work there's gonna be a lot of news that we're gonna need to talk about to start things off their royal highnesses prince and princess michael of kent were in the news a short while ago prince michael fell into scandal very shortly after the death and funeral of prince philip and It's actually something of quite serious concern, in my opinion, and it hasn't been further addressed, and I think it needs to be talked about. It is known that Prince Michael has a lot of ties to Russia, and he has embraced the Russian connections and Russian heritage that the royal family has through the late imperial Russian family. However, this goes more than that. It's a lot deeper than that. The prince has been accused of selling access to Russia's leader, Vladimir Putin. News reporters got the tip and disguised themselves as potential investors wanting to talk to Putin, and they caught the whole interaction on film. Commentators and critics are really wanting to see if the Queen will do anything about it, as this is direct political involvement of members of the royal family. They don't have the constitutional ability to do that. By being a member of the royal family, they give up that right. They have to be politically neutral. And he's directly being involved in business and politics by selling time to Vladimir Putin. Many are calling for the prince to be stripped of his titles and honors and they're really comparing this to the treatment of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex when they step down. They're commenting that, of the hypocrisy that he's allowed to do this but can still keep everything but they just want to step back from royal work and they get ousted so many people are noting the hypocrisy here. It's unknown if the queen has actually done anything to address this within the family, and I doubt we'll know since this is such a big issue. But this does break like, the idea of what do other royals, either titled or not, do when they're not working for the firm? What do they do to make ends meet and how they make money? And this is one of the things that they might and maybe resort to. Others, including the Royally Obsessed podcast, say that this is more fuel to the fire for Prince Charles' plan to slim and trim down the royal family once he ascends to the throne. Again, we've talked about this a few times, where he has a plan of slimming things down and really streamlining who can be a royal highness and a prince or princess and who can be titled going forward. He's really trying to save that for only those that are actually working for, quote-unquote, the firm. But Prince Michael's in a lot of hot water with his connections to Vladimir Putin and selling time to people wanting to talk to him. Additionally, Princess Michael was in the news and it's reported that she's in the hospital and she's not doing well. Late last November, she contracted COVID and did her best to recover from that. She is in her 70s after all. And it is being reported that when she got her COVID vaccine... Shortly thereafter, she started having blood clots in some ways. It isn't being directly reported that the blood clots are a side effect of the vaccine, but again, it is within that time frame of when side effects will happen. We do not know if she has officially 100% recovered, but she is in hospital recovering from those blood clots, so... It is known, we addressed this in the podcast and a few episodes ago, that Prince and Princess Michael of Cannes are quite problematic figures within the royal family. So while I don't wish ill will on anybody recovering from an illness, what Prince Michael is doing is not necessarily something I agree with. But I digress. It isn't 100% proven true. It is an allegation, but they have a lot of good evidence to back up that claim. The Duchess of Sussex has announced that she is in the process of releasing what could be the first of many children's books. She's seemingly following in the footsteps of the Duchess of York, but people are being very critical of her in her decision to start writing children's books. The story behind the Subject that she's talking about is actually quite touching. It is a story that she shared with Harry when she was pregnant and a subsequently told Archie. So the sentiment behind the story is nice, and I don't want to detract from that. But people are being very critical that she's publishing under Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, and the public doesn't like that. They are being very critical of her in the decision to use her title because she's been so critical of the royal family and of course the famous and now infamous oprah interview that she shouldn't be given use of those titles because she's been so critical of the family people are claiming that she's using the title to get ahead i don't really have an opinion on this but it is note that she is beginning to start to release children's books. This could be a future vocation in the future. I know the Duchess of York has released quite a few kids' books and seems to have a lot of success there. So is she following in the Duchess of York's footsteps? I don't quite know, but the Duchess was at least there for Meghan to help teach her and guide her through some moments in her time within the royal family. So it's no shocker that she would also follow in the footsteps there. Their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, have completely rebranded themselves on social media. This came as quite a shock last week. They were known as at Kensington Royal across all social media platforms. Well, now they have rebranded as... At the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge They've uh, redone their YouTube channel They're really redoing their presence on social media And some people made jokes that they're trying to become Quote-unquote influencers But no, they're just doing their best to rebrand themselves And what it is that they're doing for the firm They may not be the biggest fans of media And of course we'll see that in a story uh, coming but they at least know the power of it they know the power of social media so it's no surprise that they would rebrand what they can control and they're of course going to use it to highlight the royal work their causes if and when they go on royal tours again so it but it was a shock i remember waking up and seeing those twitter alerts that the duke and duchess of cambridge have completely rebranded their social medias it wasn't a gradual thing it was a just boom sudden shock and change but who knows what they have in store in the future I foresee a lot of really big plans. In light and very fun news, it was announced that Her Royal Highness Princess Beatrice and Mr. Eduardo Mabelli Mosey have announced that they are expecting their first child. Yes, we have another royal baby. And it is very exciting and I'm very uh, hopeful and excited for the couple it was shared across all the royal social medias and the personal social media of her sister her royal highness princess eugenie and it was shared on thursday may 20th and i'm just excited i love it when royal babies are born it's just i don't know i just like it when the child is born they will more than likely be 11th in line to the throne but as the child gets older that will of course fall lower and lower and lower, as, of course, members above them have children, and their children fall into the line of succession, and so on and so forth, but the child will be in line to the throne. Now, while Mr. Eduardo Mabelli-Mosey does have claims to his father's title, which is that of a count in Italy, the title isn't registered or recognized in England, so while princess beatrice may be a countess at some point it won't be recognized in england they haven't done that to do so when they did get married they also opted out of having english titles so while the while the child whatever the sex may be will have claims to the throne they will not have a title But all in all, we wish them the best and we wish for a good pregnancy for Princess Beatrice. I know first pregnancies are very anxious and very scary because you don't really know what to expect. Everybody's pregnancy is different, but we have well wishes here for the couple and we are excited for them. As each day passes, more and more royal residences are coming out of mourning and are officially reopening, this time for good. A few episodes ago, we talked about how things were reopening, but then the unexpected death of Prince Philip really put a halt on all of that. Well, now things are opening up completely for the future across all the royal residences in both the Royal Collection Trust and in historic royal palaces. I've been seeing bits of Hampton Court Palace and the Palace of Hollywood House and the Tower of London posting, as well as Sandringham, Balmoral, uh, things in. Windsor Castle opening up again, and they're very excited to share some exhibits. I know there's a new one with connections to King Henry VIII at Hampton Court Palace that I'm excited to see on social media. Additionally, members of the peerage are getting their homes ready for the summer as their homes are being opened to tour again. I know Highclear Castle, Beaver Castle. I believe Chatsworth House are getting ready to be opened. I don't know if Althorpe is being opened. They haven't posted about it on social media, but they have been doing some redecorations and uh, renovations. So that's at least going on at Althorpe. But all the Royal residences and museums are getting ready to open again. So it's exciting to see as things are reopening in England that... These can now be enjoyed once again. Attire, so tiaras, military honors, awards, styles, sashes, medals, anything and everything you can think of. It's a very glittering occasion and very important for the running of Parliament. But this was very subdued and smaller. I believe they had uh, one similar to this last year when they had the state opening of Parliament where things were very informal. Normally the procession starts at Buckingham Palace where the queen is seen in her full white regalia and wearing the George IV state diadem and then when she gets to uh, Parliament she then goes into the Robing Room and gets has her robe on and puts on the Imperial State Crown. The purpose of the state opening of Parliament signals the beginning of the new government year, and the Queen announces and puts forth some of the things that the government is going to be doing this uh, this year. One thing to note is she doesn't write the speech that she gives. She will never write that speech. Members of government write the speech for her. As things were smaller this year, the Queen was not in any formal Regalia, instead, she was in just a dress, coat, heels, and a hat. But one thing to note is that she was in lilac, and lilac is the color worn of an individual in half mourning. So she is still mourning and going through it. And it was also a reminder that Prince Philip is gone as her throne was relocated. Normally, we see her throne and the throne of the consort next to her, while the throne of the consort was gone. And instead in its place was the imperial state crown beside the queen. She did not wear the, uh, the crown this time. And her throne was relocated to more of the center, which, again, it was kind of sad not seeing the throne there because we got so used to seeing Prince Philip there. Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cornwall, was seen in all white, white dress, white coat, white hat, and a white mask. And... A very nice Art Deco brooch that came from uh, the the archives. His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales was in just a traditional morning suit and tails. This was another instance where, as the Queen has gotten older, she does not wear the Imperial state crown. In a documentary about her coronation, she made note that it's actually quite heavy and you can't look down to read the speech. You have to bring the speech up to your eye level because if you lean your head down, your neck would break. That's how heavy this crown is. Overall, it was a very successful opening of Parliament, and one of the big themes that came out of the speech was that the Queen declared that conversion therapy for members of the LGBT community is officially banned in England and the UK. So this is a very big landmark moment in history for the LGBT community. A big thing on everyone's mind is the announcement of the investigation into the 1995 Panorama Interview with Princess Diana in Martin Bashir has officially come to an end, and the report has been published. A few episodes ago, we went in-depth into this landmark interview following the interview given by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex with Oprah, as in both interviews, a lot of bombshell statements were made. At the end of the episode, we discussed how there was an ongoing late Thursday, May 20th, and early on Friday, May 21st, the report was officially published, stating that the BBC and Martin Bashir, mainly Martin Bashir, I want to add, forged documents and used other deceitful tactics in order to get Princess Diana to agree to do the interview. In its time, this this was the interview of the century, a bombshell that was not only the final nail in the coffin of the marriage between Charles and Diana, but it launched Bashir to critical acclaim. It was the story to get, it was the get of the century, and he got it. In this investigation, it was concluded that bank statements and other bank documents were forged showing that Princess Diana's staff were going to other press outlets to talk to the media about her and other deceitful tactics were used to obtain the interview itself to coerce and probably intimidate Diana into agreeing to the interview. The Earl Spencer, at the time of recording, has not made a statement, but Prince William and Prince Harry have both gone on record to give their own statements. Prince William had a short video statement that was about a minute long, and in it, he condemns the BBC outright. He says that this interview fueled the, the paranoia and fear she had in the last years of her life, that... Her statements in the interview are not 100% true because of the coercion and intimidation she had in order to obtain the interview, and that the interview should be pulled from air and never to be aired again. Prince Harry had a written statement, and in it, he mainly just addresses the media outright calling that this deceitful behavior is something that hasn't gone away that it's something that we still see and experience to this day and that this was one of many things that led to the untimely death of his mother the bbc has issued formal personal and written letters of apology to prince charles prince william prince harry and to lord spencer Bashir has formally retired from the bbc citing health issues but it's also unknown if this report was also there in his decision to retire former bbc director general john burt added that quote It is a matter of the greatest regret that it has taken 25 years for the full truth to emerge. BBC chairman Richard Sharp said on Thursday that the organization, quote, unreservedly accepted, end quote, the report's findings, which showed, quote, unacceptable failures, end quote. Management should have made more effort to, quote, get to the bottom of what happened, end quote, during its own internal probe in 1996. In talking about the falsifying of Banks' statements and coercing Diana to do this interview, Bashir tried to defend his statements, saying that these had no bearing in Diana's final decision to have the interview. And shortly thereafter, the interview itself, Diana even said that she had no regrets about it. While she had no regrets about it, it is known that During her lifetime, at this moment in her life, she was in a very vulnerable state. And it's unclear if her answer should be taken seriously because of how vulnerable she was. One thing to make note of is that at this same time, Oprah was trying to have an interview with Diana herself. And of course that was unsuccessful. Some people on social media have been commenting on this, saying that Bashir used tactics to get the interview But he let Diana speak her truth. So regardless of the tactics used, he only used it to get the interview, not to get answers. And that it doesn't really matter who Diana talked to, that the answers were still going to be there. So who knows if, well, we will never know if the tactics used by Bashir actually directly influenced Diana's answers. Because we'll never get to know. She's since passed away. But it is known that Bashir used deceitful tactics to convince Diana to gain Diana's confidence and to convince her to actually sit down to have this interview. Commentators have also been comparing the responses given by the Royal Brothers and how different they actually are. Prince William directly condemns the BBC and Bashir, saying that these tactics make his mother's responses not 100% true anymore, and that these can't be taken lightly, and he wants the interview to go away. He doesn't want the interview to be acknowledged. Harry, on the other hand, addresses the media as a whole, and he says that this is one of many things William says this is the moment that changed his parents' marriage, but Harry says, no, there were other things that got it to there. So the brothers have a little bit of conflicting statements that commentators have noticed that it seems that William wants his whole interview to go away, while Harry is acknowledging the interview and just the behavior is unacceptable. Of course, because of Diana, Harry was able to have an interview of his own, so it's understandable that he would want to support his mother in his in her decision to have such an interview this whole situation is incredibly messy and will only get messy as time continues as people want more answers but at least we know the truth the BBC and Martin Bashir used deceitful tactics to obtain the interview but there you have it there is our news update for the past two weeks some was fun some was not so fun and this is a little bit of a shorter episode I know Next week and going into the rest of summer, I'm going to try to do my best to get more longer form content out and get back into our regularly scheduled content. So everybody get excited. But that is your news update for the past two weeks here within the British Royal Family. My sources for today's episode are The Sun, The Daily Express, The Royal Family's Twitter page and their website, as well as The Washington Post. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing and how to improve the podcast, drop me a line over at BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. Any and all suggestions are welcome. If you want to stay up to date on the podcast and events happening within the Royal Family, you can head over to Twitter and follow me at fanatic underscore royal. I do my best to post regularly, and I haven't been. These past two weeks because of my move, but I do my best to post regularly and interact with all of you as best I can. If you feel so inclined to donate to support the podcast, there are links on the Anchor homepage and the Twitter homepage. The Twitter page has a link to a one-time PayPal link. If you would like to make a one-time donation to the podcast to help support it, but if you feel so inclined to donate monthly, there are links on the Anchor homepage. Any and all donations are much appreciated and welcome. And I am greatly appreciative from the bottom of my heart. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and more to rate, review, and subscribe. The more you do, the more people can see the podcast and the podcast family can continue to grow. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Stay safe and stay healthy. Do something nice for someone. And I'll see you in the next one.